You are listening to a message recorded at Living Hope Church in Southwick, Massachusetts. We hope you find encouragement through God's word today. Hallelujah. Glory to the King of Kings. What a blessing it is to be with you all this weekend. We've just had a blast already. Last night was just special. What a special time in the presence of God. I've already heard several testimonies of healings that people received and and ways that God moved last night. And, uh, and I'm, just, I'm just so humbled that, that God does that. We come, we worship him, we show up, and he just meets us here. Uh, because he's good, you know, and it's, it's not about us, it's about him, you know. And, and I like what Paul says, you know, I, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth, you know. And neither the one who plants or waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. And so we give, all, God, we give God all the glory for everything that he's doing this weekend. And, uh, and I, I'm just believing God for another very special time in his presence this morning. It's already been a special time. What, what, what a powerful time of worship. Can we just give it up for the Global Renewal Worship Band? I want to thank you guys for ushering us into God's presence. You guys did a phenomenal job, and, and I don't know if you knew this, but that, that really pretty worship leader, that's my wife. And so, <laughs> and so it's always a blessing to have them travel with me, to have them be with me, um, and, as well as the rest of the team. We have so much fun together. So it's been a wonderful weekend. I've also had a lot of fun with a lot of you. If you guys haven't heard the story... Uh, on your way out, I want you to ask Jane, if you know who Jane is, ask her how she lost her eye. On the way out, ask, ask Jane how she lost her. You'll get it when you ask her on, on the way out this morning. <laughs> it's a great story. But we're going to have a good time. Thank you, Pastor. Thank you, Pastor, for inviting us. Thank you for allowing us to be here. As we get ready to receive from God's Word this morning, uh, I, I want to first just give you a little bit of background about the ministry of Global Renewal. I promised last night that I would do that today. I want to just share a little bit what we do as a ministry. Uh, and just so you know, just the, the quickest testimony I can possibly give you, I got saved 14 years ago in a prison chapel, my third time incarcerated. Jesus met me powerfully in a prison chapel. I had a, a vision of Jesus, and I got on my knees. I surrendered my life to him, and I stood up, and I was a different person. <laughs> and within a year, God met me so powerfully in that prison chapel. I, lit, I, I stood up speaking in other tongues. Like, it was like, like I was born again. I was a new creation. The addictions had been broken. I was set free. The anger left. I was happy, right? And, uh, and everyone thought I lost my mind. They said, don't talk to Jesse. He finally snapped, right? And so, <laughs> but by God's grace, I didn't know how long I was going to have to stay in. I, I thought it could be a long time. By God's grace, I was out two weeks later. And, and within a year, I was in Bible college. Um, and uh, president of my class in the Bible college, <laughs> by the way, a year after my last time in prison. <laughs> Only Jesus can do that in a life, right? And two and a half years after that, uh, my wife and I, uh, we, we, we got married, and within a month, we moved to the mission field in faith. We were, we were missionaries in Germany for four and a half years. That's where we planted our first church was in the nation of Germany, and we went totally by faith. When, when we booked our tickets, we had not one person promising to support us, not one. 
and we booked our plane tickets, one-way plane tickets, with all the money we had in the world. We, bought, we booked one-way plane tickets to Germany, and uh, we lived there for four and a half years, and God provided every step of the way. We planted the church there. We had a phenomenal time there. And then, and then about five, was it five years now? How, how long have we been back? Five, six years? Six years, we moved, six years ago, we moved back to the States, and I transitioned into the leadership of Global Renewal, and it has been just an explosion of growth ever since in the last six years. And to give you an idea, you know, we, we planted one church in four and a half years in Germany. When we got back uh, and, and stepped into this role, we planted one church in one year in the nation of Nepal. And then the next year after that, we planted 12 churches in three different nations, uh, all in majority Muslim and Hindu areas. And since then, God has just continued... God has just continued to give growth, and we have these, these church planting networks around the world that are growing and are thriving and are multiplying, and, and, uh, and, and apart from that, I'm going to share a couple trips from this year as well, but apart from that, we also, for the last six years, seven years, we've been working to rescue girls from sex trafficking, from human trafficking, um, and primarily from sex trafficking, but also organ trafficking is a really growing thing in some of these nations, and it's horrendous. I mean, they kidnap girls, and they take their organs while they're still alive to sell on the black market uh, to wealthy people. And so we've been able to rescue quite a few girls from organ trafficking as well. And uh, we have three rescue homes now. We have two rescue homes in India, and we have one rescue home in Uganda. And by God's grace, we've been able to rescue over 3,200 young ladies From human trafficking, we have a major operation, especially in India, with undercover people in the red light districts uh, at all times and, and finding out, getting information for us. And we work with the police and the court systems in India. And it's just amazing what God has put together. And, and I give God all the glory, but also my team in India. Uh, after God, they get all the credit because they're phenomenal. And, uh, and, uh, and so we've just been, it's been such a blessing to see what God has done. And this year already has been a whirlwind. Of course, we stay busy. I don't know how to sit still. Uh, so this, this year I've already been overseas three times and we went to, uh, I'm going to share a couple of testimonies from the, from the trips. If you go to the next slide, uh, th- this was in, this was in Uganda. This was in January. We went to Butaleja, Uganda. And this is one of my favorite trips we've had so far. This trip was phenomenal. Uh, and one of the reasons it was one of my favorites is because before we went to Butaleja, my team in Uganda had contacted me several times. You know, I have overseers over the churches in Uganda, and they contacted me. And, and they basically said, listen, Jesse, can we please do this somewhere else? They said, they said, Butalasia is too dark. They said, they told me it's majority Muslim. Even the Christians that are there are Anglicans and they don't want us there, right? And, and, and they, they said, it's the worst witchcraft we've ever seen in Uganda. And these are Ugandan guys, right? They said, it's the worst witchcraft we've ever seen in Uganda. They said, can we please move it somewhere else? And for me, when I heard that, I just got excited, right? Like, uh, like of course, I take it seriously. I called for a, for a fast. We did a 20-day fast. We prayed. But on the inside, I just got excited because I've come to understand, church, that light shines brighter where it's darkest, Amen. right? And th- there's never been a darkness that was so dark that it extinguished the light. It just makes it brighter, right? Nobody ever says, turn the darkness down. <laughs> they say, turn on the lights. 
And so that's what's my heart. I want to go to these places that are considered so dark and just turn on the lights of the gospel. Right? And so, so I got excited. And when we, we went to Butalasia, Anthony was with me on this trip. He can verify. When we went to Butalasia, everything was easy. It wasn't even a power struggle between God and the devil. Right? It was, everything was easy. Right? And I, I, I had asked him before we went, how many people can we expect to be at the crusade? And he said, I, he said, brother, maybe 500. Right? Which for us would be very small. Right? And so, so I said, okay, we'll see what God does. On the last night of the crusade, we had almost 3,000 people in attendance. I, I, I'm telling you, healing happened easily. One of the nights of the crusade, we had over 1,000 people confirmed 100% healed. In one night. I've never seen Muslims come to Christ so easily. It was like every single Muslim we talked to, like the couple that said no was like a shock. Right? It's like, what do you mean no? Right? Like, all, of the, all of them were like, yes, I want that. I want Jesus. And they were so serious about it that many of them were water baptized and even changed their names from like Muhammad to Peter. Right? <laughs> and this trip the third night of the crusade i preached on philip going to samaria and i told them that when philip went to samaria samaria was a place that was bound by witchcraft and a city that had been mesmerized by a witch doctor named simon right and and by the way while i'm preaching there's there's witch doctors in the audience like trying to curse me Right? And, like, and not just the other people who preach too. They're in the audience with their little branches, like waving them around, doing their silly things. And I laughed at them from the stage. I said, if you think that could hurt me, like I would have been dead a long time ago. Go ahead and do what you do because Jesus is greater than whatever magic you think you have. <laughs> and so I laughed at them from the stage. And I told them the testimony of Samaria. I said, listen, this is a city that was, that was bound by witchcraft. But when the people of Samaria saw that there was more power in the name of Jesus than in the name of Simon, the entire town repented, was baptized, and even Simon the magician repented and was baptized. And I told them, that's going to be the testimony of Butalasia. And wouldn't you know, on the, on, on the last day we were there, when we opened our church, everywhere we do a crusade, we launch a church. That's my heart. I don't want to just come have a big explosion. I want to leave something there that's going to bear long-lasting fruit, right? And so when we opened the church on the, on the last day there, uh, the, the local, one of the local witch doctors came to our service and repented of her magic, was delivered from demons, and was baptized in water and the Holy Spirit that day. I'm going to show you a video really quickly of this trip so you can kind of get an idea. Uh, you can see for yourselves. And, and, and I encourage you, if you have the opportunity, come with us to Uganda one time, right? Like when we're over there, it's like I, I always tell my team, like, this is the book of Acts. Like there's no difference between what I read about in Acts and what we're seeing here, right? And that's really exciting to see. That's really exciting to live that. So I encourage you, if you have the opportunity, come with me on a trip. I take a team every time. You're welcome. Um, and so I want to show you this video, and then I'm going to share a little bit about uh, the other two trips. Go ahead and play that video. If you were born again this week. Everything if you were born again for the first time, 
let me honor you And everything I you just say in the background It's not part of the video There you go There is power Why do you want my In the name of Jesus I want you to know Who I still get chills every time I watch that video, and I was there. <laughs> I really encourage you, if you're able, come on a trip with us. If you go to the next slide, I want to share a couple more things. Bring my slides back. <laughs> go to the next slide after the one you were showing. This is the, yeah, there, there stay there. Yeah, this is, this is the church building that we built uh, in Butalasia, and it's finished now. It didn't even have the doors and windows when we launched it, but it's finished now. And, uh, and it's actually, they went from... You know, this, we sent the pastor there a couple of years ago. He built that little shack himself, and, uh, and now that's that, that's the kids that's the kids ministry section now. And uh, and then we built them this church building, and that's actually the biggest Pentecostal church in the entire district now. So they got the biggest Pentecostal church in the entire district. If you go to the next slide, these are the water baptisms, and one of, one of the real treats from this trip is that there were no leeches in this water. That I'm. T- that was, that was a real treat. <laughs> that, was, that was a blessing, right? Because you see all the people that need to be baptized. Last time we were in Butalasia, uh, we, did, we did the same thing, mass baptisms. And all we had was a mud puddle that was filled with leeches. That was the only, water, <laughs> the only water source. And so I'm telling you, when we walked up to the edge of this mud puddle, uh, like I didn't know that there was leeches in it, right? But when we walked up to the edge of this, a massive leech swam up and looked me in the eyes and said, I dare you to come in, right? <laughs> and, and, so, and so when my team saw that, they said, Jesse, you can do all the baptisms yourself. You don't really need our help. <laughs> we believe in you. And uh, so, so, so I, but I said, listen, these people got to be baptized. We're going to endure. So we went in the water, uh, me and my overseer in Uganda went in the water. We were baptizing people. We baptized one person. Then we take a leech off, off, off my leg and throw it onto the, onto the ground, baptize another person, take another leech off. I pulled at least 20 leeches off my legs that, that day in Uganda. I was bleeding everywhere, right? But I'm pretty sure the whole leech population got born again as well. So that was the positive side. Uh-huh. Those leeches were running around laying their hands on the other leeches. They were all praying in other leech tongues. <laughs> but, but this water had no leeches, and, and that, I was thanking God for that uh, uh, immensely. Right? So if you go to the next slide, 
This is Daphne, and uh, this was my favorite. I'm going to tell this real quickly. This is my favorite testimony from this trip. Daphne came and found me on the second day of the outreach, and, uh, and she came with a translator. Of her own accord, she came and found me because she had heard about the miracles, right? Uh, that, that's how our crusades grow is because there's so many miracles and deliverance and, and all this stuff happening that, that word spreads throughout the communities, the surrounding communities, and every night at least doubles from the night before, right? Because people hear the, the testimonies of the miracles. So Daphne had heard of, of the miracles happening and the deliverance happening, and she came and found me uh, with a translator, and she said, I need to talk to you. So I said, okay, wh- what do you want to say? And Daphne told me her story was one of the worst stories I've ever heard in my entire life. And I, re- I mean, we rescue girls. I hear a lot of bad stories, but she was raised by her aunt and her grandpa, uh, who were who were Satanists? They were witch doctors. They were heavily into witchcraft, and she was ritually abused from the time she was a baby, like cut with razor blades and stuff from the time that she was a baby. And as part of that that uh, that abuse, uh, her grandpa cursed her when she was very young, and he tied a string around. I don't understand all this stuff, but he tied a string around her waist for whatever reason as part of this curse, right? And she had had this string around her waist from for her entire life since she was a very little girl. And she's explaining this to me, so I had I had her translator who she had was a young lady. I said, take her into the bathroom and see if there's really this string there. And she came back and said, yes, there's a string there. I said, go back and cut it off. I told Daphne, I said, God's going to set you free today. You don't have to live in that bondage anymore. You're going to be set totally free right now. Go cut that string off. And they went back into the, into the bathroom and they cut off the string and they brought it back. And, uh, and I lit it on fire. And when I lit the string on fire, Daphne started manifesting demons like crazy, right? She started talking in other voices, and she was thrashing herself against the ground and and all sorts of stuff. But we prayed over her, and she was delivered from demons. She was born again. She was baptized in the Holy Spirit. She was water baptized a few days later. But from that moment when she was born again, it it was crazy. The reason it was my favorite testimony is because I watched this little girl go from an empty shell of a little girl to the most joyful kid in town in an instant like in that instant she went from totally shattered to totally joyful and she was following us around like she became a team member Daphne was Daphne was a team member she came with us everywhere we went she had to be standing right next to me smiling right and she had to be holding my hand wherever we went she had to be holding my hand which if I'm being honest I wasn't all that crazy about because I don't know that she's ever washed her hands in her life. But, but once again, I said, Lord, I will endure for you. Right? So, so everywhere we went, she had to be right next to me, holding my hand, smiling, excited, trying to tell the people what God had done for her. Amen? So that's what it's all about. We have a saying, our, our saying in Global Renewal is we have a vision for the masses, but a heart for the one. Right? We want to reach the masses for Jesus. We want to reach millions for Jesus. But we want to always have that heart for the Daphnes, right? That heart for the one that it, Daph, just Daphne is worth going all the way to Uganda for. Amen? If you go to the next slide, uh, this is, was there slides before this or is there after it? Okay, I had them out of order. I'm sorry. I'll go back to that one. Go to the next slide. So in February, we, I went to India to, uh, to our rescue home. And my favorite part of that trip, you know, we, we ministered to the girls for several days and had a, a wonderful time with them. But my favorite part of the trip is we got to take all 80-some girls 
to the amusement park. And, uh, and we gave them a day at the amusement park, and, and the director of our program there, he said, he said, you don't understand, these are kids that would have never in a million years dreamed they could ever go to an amusement park. And so to watch them just have fun and play and be kids and sometimes scream and cry on the rides, it was, it was like, it was wonderful just to see them be kids, you know? And so that was a very special thing. If you go to the next slide. Uh, in March, we went, to, uh, we went to Kenya as a family, and we're getting ready to start planting churches and doing crusades in the coastal region of Kenya. Lord willing, this next year we're going to start, and that's the Muslim area of Kenya. So we were going to lay the groundwork and get ready to start reaching the Muslim region of Kenya. Amen? You go to the next slide. That's my kids being missionaries. <laughs> they got to share the gospel with a bunch of kids in Uganda or in Kenya, and uh, that was that was super precious. Go to the next slide. Uh, this is uh, Lord willing. We're we're praying. This is the the grounds for our next crusade in Kenya, and uh, and we we're believing God to pack these grounds out, and we're believing God to give us a building right there in the corner. That building is owned by a Muslim, but we're claiming it for the church in Jesus' name. Amen. So you got you got to pray with us that that building's going to be ours in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. If you go to the next slide, or go go back to that uh, go back to that church one that I told you. There you go. That one should have been last. Uh, yeah. So I want I want to just thank you guys this morning for for uh, your support. I want to thank you, as Pastor said, for everybody who's going to sow a seed into the ministry of Global Renewal. I want to thank you, right? Because we can't do it without you, especially with the the rate of growth in global renewal, the rate of things that we're doing, how the ministry is growing, we have to have partners standing with us. We can't do it alone. Amen? And, 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 and just as, as an idea, we always have different needs. This is one of our churches in, in Nebi, Uganda, um, that we haven't built them their permanent building yet. They, you know, we've sent them there to start. They built their own building for now. And a storm just came and knocked down their building. And, uh, and so now they have nowhere to worship. And this is in an almost totally Muslim area, right? So now they have nowhere to worship. And so now they're calling me, we need $1,500 to rebuild the church, right? And, uh, and there's always different things things like that. And so I want to present that this morning because there might be someone here who says, I want to rebuild that church in that Muslim city. Amen. And if you say, oh, that's, that's crazy. I, I might not have been talking to you. Right, but, but there might be someone here who says, I want to rebuild that church. Or there could be someone here who says, I can't do with 1500, but I could do 150. Right, whatever you're able to do is a tremendous blessing as we continue. And, and, and I also believe that as you do that, as you sow, that God is going to give you everything that you need and more. Amen? So I want to thank you for that. If you could stand to your feet, we're going to pray and we're going to get into the word. Hallelujah. I just, I just want to take the next two minutes. Can we just take two or three minutes? And let's just press into the presence of God. Just begin to pray. For the next two or three minutes, I want to ask, just begin to pray. If you pray in tongues, begin to pray in tongues, right? But for the next two or three minutes, in your own words, just ask God to move in this place in a powerful way. Amen? Father, we just thank you for this opportunity to come together in your presence. You're so good, Father. Father. 
God, I just ask even right now that you would begin to move in this place. Even during this prayer, God, that you would touch people right where they're standing. Even right now, Holy Spirit, that if people came in weary and tired and burdened, that you would meet them where they are, even in this moment. Mm. Move in this place, Holy Spirit. God, I thank you that bodies will be healed today in Jesus' name. I thank you that minds will be restored today in Jesus' name. Father, I thank you that bondages will break today in the name of Jesus. And we promise, Lord, to give you all the glory and all the honor and all the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. I want to read this morning. I'm going to be preaching to you from the same passage that I preached on uh, last night. But I want to preach the second half of the passage. So last night, I, I preached to you on how to receive miracles from God in your own life, right? This morning, I'm going to preach to you on how you can become a vessel for the miraculous power of God to flow through you towards others. Amen? So, like I said last night, it's very very exciting when you receive a miracle. How many received a miracle last night? Raise your hand if you received a miracle last night. It's very exciting when you receive a miracle from God, right? But for me, it's even more exciting when God starts working miracles through you on behalf of others. Amen? So I want to teach you how to become a vessel for the miraculous power of God to flow through you. I'm going to be reading John chapter 2. I'm going to read verses 1 through 11. The Bible says on the third day, there was a wedding at Cana in Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus also was invited to the wedding with his disciples, and when the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. And Jesus said to her, woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Now there were six stone water jars there for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars up with water, and they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the feast. So they took it. When the master of the feast tasted the water now become wine and did not know where it came from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew, the master of the feast called the bridegroom and said to him, everyone serves the good wine first, and when people have drunk freely, then the poor wine. But you have kept the good wine until now. This is the first of his signs that Jesus did at Cana in Galilee and manifested his glory and his disciples believed in him. I want to start this morning, church, with that last statement in that passage. The Bible says this is the first of his signs that Jesus did at Cana in Galilee and manifested his glory there and his disciples believed in him. The reason I want to start with that statement this morning, church, is because I want you to understand the purpose of the signs. I want you to understand the purpose of miracles, 
right? Because I, I, I'm afraid that in our current church context, uh, we have begun to downplay the importance of the miraculous power of God. It's like whether or not God shows up in power, we just have churches like usual, right? And we've, become to, we've begun to downplay the importance. And you'll hear people say, why do we need miracles? We have the Bible, Church, I want you to know that the Bible is given to you believers so that you might believe more, but miracles are given for the non-believer that he may believe. Mm -hmm. Miracles do two things according to this passage. They manifest the glory of Jesus. They, to manifest means to make something obvious, right? They make obvious the glory of Jesus and they cause people to believe. The Bible says he manifested his glory and his disciples believed in him. Even the disciples needed to see miracles in order to truly believe. People say, why do we need miracles? We have the word. It's for the same reason that Jesus needed miracles and he was the word. <laughs> because miracles are the confirmation of the word. <laughs> Church, next time you talk to an atheist about Jesus, tell him, no, I believe in Jesus because the Bible tells me so. He's going to laugh at you. He doesn't believe it. But when the same atheist sees the miraculous power of God with his own eyes, he has no choice but to believe what you're saying. It's the confirmation of the message. That's what the Bible says in Mark chapter 16. It says they went and preached everywhere while the Lord worked with them and confirmed the message with accompanying signs. Hmm. What's the confirmation of the message? The accompanying signs. Church, there are a lot of, of religious messages in the world. But there's only one that comes with confirmation. And our job, church, is not only to preach the gospel, but to bring the confirmation. That's why Paul says to the Corinthian church, he says, I, when I came to you, brothers, I didn't come with plausible words of wisdom and understanding, but with demonstrations of the spirit and of power so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of man, but in the power of God. Hmm. Church, I want you to know that the fastest way to bring someone from the place of unbelief to the place of belief is through the miraculous power of God. <clears throat> there, now, now, there are other ways to get from unbelief to belief, right? I, I've heard a story of an atheist who, who, who studied the Bible in order to disprove it. And after many years of studying the Bible, he found out he believed it, right? So there are other ways to get from unbelief to belief, but the fastest route... Right? If, if you were to put it into Google Maps, the fastest route from the place of unbelief to the place of belief is through the miraculous power of God. I remember once I was in India, a few years back I was in India, and, and I was preaching in this little prayer meeting. 
I mean, I say little, it was like probably, uh, probably 50 people, but jammed into someone's living room. And an Indian living room is, is not the same as our living room, right? And so we were like shoulder to shoulder in this living room, and I was preaching like this, right? And then it was awesome, though. We had a great time. But then after the, after the prayer meeting, uh, the, the owner of the house, he said, come next door. I want you to meet my neighbor. Uh, he's, he's a Hindu, and I want you to talk to him. And so I went, and I talk, started talking to the guy next door, and I was sharing the gospel with him and sharing Jesus. And I said, do you want to accept Jesus as your Lord? And he said, well, sure. He said, as long as I can serve my other gods too. Uh, you got to be careful in India. <laughs> you got, <laughs> that everyone will accept Jesus in India. Right? But when they start to understand that Jesus, you, you serve him alone is when it becomes a problem. Right? And so I started sharing that with him that, no, when we serve Jesus, we serve only him. We forsake all other gods. And we serve only him. And so the guy started to get defensive. He said, you know, he started to argue with me. I said, man, listen, I didn't come into your house to argue with you. That's not why I'm here. I said, just let me pray for you. If if you'll let me pray for you, I'll leave. Just let me pray for you. So he said, okay, you can pray for me. And so I laid my hand on his shoulder and the Holy Spirit whacked him, right? He started sweating and he started trembling and, and he looked at me with his eyes wide. He said, what's happening to me? I said, that's God giving you a sign. That's Jesus giving you a sign that he loves you. He wants a relationship with you. And so I said to him, I said, are you ready now to accept Jesus as your Lord and forsake all of their gods? And he began to weep and he said, yes, I am. And I led him in the sinner's prayer. And when I said, amen, this guy fell over in the spirit and, and I, I, I had to leave. Like I waited like 10 minutes for him to get, he never got up. I trust eventually he got up. <laughs> right? <laughs> But he needed the sign. Amen? There was no argument that I could have given him. He needed the confirmation. There was another guy I was talking to, an atheist guy a few years back. I was talking to him over the course of several weeks. And uh, and this he was a nice guy, right? He was a friendly guy. He wasn't like... He didn't, he didn't hate Christians. He just didn't believe it, right? And, and so he was talking to me over the course of several weeks, and we were just going back and forth. And, and finally I said, man, can I just pray for you? And he, said, and he kind of looked at me like I was cute, right? And so so he, he said, sure, man, that's adorable. Go ahead and pray for me. He didn't say that's adorable, but his tone said it, right? And so, so I laid my hand on his shoulder, and I began to pray for him, and the same thing happened. He started to tremble, and he started to sweat, and he said, what's happening to me? And I said the same thing. That's God giving you a sign that he loves you he wants a relationship with you and he and for the next like for the next while he just stared at the the, at the floor with his eyes wide shaking his head right and just like not knowing what's happening and and so the next week i saw him again and i said what do you think about what happened last week he said man well it was the craziest moment of my life but i can't help but think it was all in my head I said, oh, man, we got a stubborn one this time. Like, this guy's stubborn, right? (laughs) And so I just started sharing miracle stories with him. Church, I've seen every miracle you can imagine, right? And and so I just started sharing miracle stories with him and and different things that I had seen. And and I shared a miracle that had just happened like the week before that I was in a church preaching and someone came up with back pain and God showed me that they had one leg that was shorter than the other one, right? And so I had her sit down and I took her legs and I said, leg grow in Jesus' name. And instantly her leg grew out. And then And then not only that, but there was a person who was watching this happen. And he says, hey, man, you're not going to believe this. But one of my legs is shorter than the other one, too. 
And I said, sit down. He said, well, it doesn't really bother me. I said, I said, you might as well get healed. It might bother you someday. Just, just get healed, right? So sit down. And so he sat down and the same thing. I took his legs. I said, let grow in Jesus' name. And instantly his leg grew out, right? And so I'm telling this story to this atheist guy. And he looks at me skeptically. And he says, man, you're not going to believe this. He says, one of my legs is shorter than the other one, too, by a significant amount. I, apparently, there's an epidemic of short legs in the world. <laughs> I, said, I, said, I said, sit down. He, he, he said, no, I don't believe it. I said, man, sit down. He said, no, it's not going to work. I had him cornered. I wasn't going to let him go anywhere, right? I had, I had him back to do a corner. He said, he said I, no, I don't believe it's going to happen. I said, it doesn't matter if you believe it. I believe it. Just humor me, right? Sit down. And so finally, I convinced the guy to sit down. He sat down. I took his legs in my hand. It was significantly shorter. I said, let grow in Jesus' name. And he's watching with his eyes. Like his eyes are, he's like, I'm going to see this, right? He's watching with his eyes as his leg grows out in front of his eyes, right? And I'm telling you, this guy spent the next 15 minutes trying to make his leg shorter again. <laughs> like, he's, he was stomping on the ground, right? He sat in like three different chairs. He took his shoes off. He checked like four or five times. And he's shaking his head the entire time, right? And so finally, when he accepts that he had just seen a miracle with his own eyes, I said, what do you think now? He said, man, I've got no choice but to believe. That's our job, church. Our job is to give them no choice but to believe. We preach the message and God works with us and confirms it by accompanying signs. And if we're only preaching and not confirming, our job is incomplete. This is the greatest tool that God has given us to reach the lost, is the miraculous power of God. Listen to what happens right after this. Right after this story, listen to what happens. He goes, Jesus, Jesus leaves Canaan, he goes to Capernaum, and then to, and then to Jerusalem, and in John 2.23, the Bible says, now when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover feast, many believed in his name when they saw the signs that he was doing. <laughs> when did they believe? When they saw the signs. After that, Jesus goes to Judea and then through Samaria, and he gets back to Cana. And as soon as he arrives in Cana in John 4, the Bible says that they received him having seen the signs. Why did they receive him? They saw the signs. And, th- and then a nobleman comes running up to Jesus and tells him that his son is sick. And Jesus says, Jesus says this to me. He says, you want, unless you see signs, you won't believe. Church, that sounds like a rebuke. Unless you see signs, you won't believe. I think it was just a statement of fact. Right, And the reason I think it was just a statement of fact is because Jesus goes on to perform the signs. If you read John 4, 50 through 54, Jesus said to him, go, your son will live. The man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and went on his way. As he was going down, his servants met him and told him that his son was recovering. 
He asked him what hour. He he asked him the hour when he began to get better, and they said to him, yesterday at the seventh hour, the fever left him. The father knew that that was the hour when Jesus had said to him, your son will, will live, and he himself believed, and all his household. This was now the second sign that Jesus did when he came from Judea to Galilee. Church, there are people in the world who will not believe Unless they see signs. Jesus said, this nobleman, this is a guy who will not believe unless he sees signs. So he performs the sign and the Bible says the nobleman believed along with his entire household. Church, we need, the reason I'm, I'm starting here is because I want you to have this conviction that we need the miraculous power of God in our midst. We need the miraculous power of God in our services, and not only in our church services, but also flowing through our lives when we're in our workplaces, when we're in our neighborhoods, when we're in the marketplace, right? We need God's miraculous power to reach the lost that are around us. Amen? So I want to teach you this morning. I'm going to try to be extremely brief. I'm not, I'm really bad at it, <laughs> but I'm going to do my best. <laughs> Don't, that's the last time you look at the clock. <laughs> if, if you get hungry, just pray for strength. God will help you. <laughs> We're going to do some forced fasting today. No, <laughs> no but I'm gonna, I don't want it to be a hostage situation. I'm going to try to be quick. But I want to teach you this morning <laughs> how to become a vessel for the miraculous power of God to flow through you. Because I want you to notice in this story that the first thing that Jesus does when he decides to perform the miracle in response to Mary's faith, right? Mary comes, she asks in faith, he decides to perform the miracle. The first thing that Jesus does is he looks for a vessel. I want you to know this morning, church, Whenever God decides to perform a miracle in the earth, the first thing he does is he looks for a vessel. When God wants to perform a miracle in the earth, he finds a vessel. He could do it without us, but he's chosen to do it through us. When God God wanted to lead the Israelites out of Egypt, he didn't just part the Red Sea himself. He found a vessel in the life of Moses. God found a vessel in the life of Elijah and Elisha and and, and Peter and John and Paul and, and, and Simon and Philip and all of these amazing biblical characters. He found vessels for his miraculous power to flow through. And I want you to know, church, that still to this day, whenever God wants to perform a miracle, the first thing he has to do is find a vessel. And I wonder, church, How many times God has wanted to perform a miracle in our midst, but when he looked, he did not find a vessel. So I want to teach you this morning how you can become that vessel. 
so that wherever you are, whether you're at church, whether you're in the marketplace, whether you're at work, whether you're at a family gathering, wherever you are, if God wants to perform a miracle in that place, he's going to find a vessel. Amen? The first thing I want you to notice about this vessel, I love John as a biblical author, right? Because John gives us all these details that have deep meaning, right? John, John loves to give details that have deeper meaning. And if you don't believe me, read the book of Revelation, right? And, and, and so I was reading this story recently and I was, I was really digging into it. And the first thing I noticed about the vessels, the Bible tells us that there were six stone jars. And I asked the Lord, I said, God, why were there six stone jars? And it dawned on me that John himself gave us the revelation that six is the number of man. Mm. Mm. So what's the principle? How can you as a man or a woman become a vessel for the miraculous power of God to flow through you? The second thing I noticed is that they were stone jars. And I said, God, why is that detail there? Why were they stone jars? And I began to study church, and I found that there was two different kinds of jars that could be that size in that time, right? There was clay jars, and there was stone jars. Now, clay jars were readily available. They were cheap. They were easy to use, easy to make. They were light. And stone jars were very cumbersome, right? This is a a, a hollowed-out stone that's big enough to hold 20 to 30 gallons, each one, right? They're, They're expensive. They're heavy. They're hard to use. I said, God, why were they stone jars and not clay jars? And I found the answer in the book of Leviticus because the book of Leviticus tells us that clay jars become unclean after each use, but stone jars remain pure. Church, if you want to become a vessel, For the miraculous power of God to flow through you, you have got to remain pure. You have got to remain clean. You cannot walk in power unless you walk in purity. You can't walk in the power of God unless you're willing to walk in the purity of God. Listen to what the Bible says in the book of Hebrews. This is, this is Hebrews 12, 15 through 17. The Bible says, see to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many become defiled, that no one is sexually immoral or unholy like Esau, who sold his birthright for a single meal. For you know that after that. For you know that afterward, when he desired to inherit the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no chance to repent, although he sought it with tears. Church, I want you to know that it is your birthright to walk in the miraculous power of God. As a son or a daughter of the King of Kings, it is your birthright to walk in the power of God in your life. But you can sell your birthright for a bowl of soup. The writer of Hebrews says, see to it that nobody is unholy or sexually immoral like Esau who sold his birthright for a bowl of soup. Church, I want you this morning, we we need to understand the value of our birthright. 
right? You got to understand the value of your birthright so that the next time the devil comes and tries to tempt you with that same sin, you're going to laugh at his face and tell him, how stupid do you think I am, devil? Right? Like, I'm not going to sell my birthright for a cold bowl of soup that's going to leave me hungry again in 10 minutes. <sighs> Don't sell your birthright. Church, it's not worth it. it. Whatever that sin is, is not worth your birthright. It's not worth your birthright to get drunk on the weekend. It's not worth, it's not worth your birthright to be sexually immoral or watch pornography. It's not worth your birthright to lie to your boss or lie to your spouse. It's not worth it. If you want to walk in the power of God, you have got to walk in the purity of God. you got to realize the value of your birthright. The Bible says, Jesus says in the Bible, if your right hand offends you, cut it off. <laughs> he says, it's better to go to heaven with one hand than to go to hell with two. In our modern context, we might, we might say, if your smartphone offends you, Throw it out. It's better to go to heaven with a flip phone than it is to go to hell with an iPhone. We gotta we gotta take this thing seriously, church. If you wanna be if you wanna walk in God's miraculous power, you have got to take holiness seriously. Listen what the Bible says in 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 20 through 21. The Bible says, Now in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honorable use and some for dishonorable. Listen to this. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honorable use, set apart as holy, useful to the master of the house, ready for every good work. How do you become a vessel for honorable use that's ready for every good work? You got to cleanse yourself of what's dishonorable. Hmm. You have to cleanse yourself of the dishonorable in order to be ready for the honorable. And I got good news for you, church, because that passage in Hebrews says that Esau found no chance to repent, although he sought it with tears. But the good news is that we live in a different covenant than Esau lived in, right? And Esau found no chance to repent, but the covenant that we live in, the new covenant of grace, every day is a chance to repent. Every day is a chance to cleanse yourself of what is dishonorable so that you can become a vessel to be used in what is honorable. But you got to repent. Church, you got to repent. And, and listen, people come to the altar 20 times for the same sin, right? You didn't repent, you just felt bad. That's not repentance. You just felt bad. <laughs> repentance means to, when, when you repent, you do whatever it takes to never touch that thing again. 
Amen? God wants to use you in his miraculous power, but you have got to be committed and dedicated to walking in purity, to walking in holiness. And maybe there's people here this morning who you know that I need to get to the altar when this is over and I need to have a moment of repentance. And true repentance where you say, man, if it's my smartphone that's offending me, that thing's going in the trash when I get home. <sighs> Sounds drastic, man, but come on. Like, this is, this is eternity that we're playing with. Hmm. Hallelujah. The next thing that I want to teach you, if you want to become a vessel for the miraculous power of God, what's the first thing that, 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 that Jesus tells the servants to do? He says, fill them up. And the Bible says the servants filled them up to the brim. Church, if you want to be a vessel for the miraculous power of God to flow through you, you have got to be full. You have got to be filled up to the brim. The, the, the miraculous flows out of the overflow, church. The miraculous in our lives flows out of the overflow of the Holy Spirit in our lives. If you want God to use you as a vessel for the miraculous, you have got to be full. Uh, the, the Bible says don't be drunk with wine for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's in Ephesians 5. Don't be drunk with wine for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. So before you take this, this passage in John 2 as a license to go buy 20 or 30 gallons of wine, <laughs> you got to understand the context. Right, we, we, we don't want the old wine. We want the new wine of the Holy Spirit filling our lives daily. Even the master of the feast said, hey, that old wine was nowhere near as good as this new wine. Mm -hmm. We don't want the old wine. We don't want to be drunk with the old wine. We want to be filled with the new wine of the Holy Spirit in our lives. I want to give you very quickly three stages to being full. Three stages to being full. I'm going to be really quick, church, I promise. The first one happens when you're born again. The first one happens when you're born again. When you're born again, the Spirit of God comes and makes his home inside of you, and he seals you as his son or his daughter. You're filled with the Spirit unto salvation, right? And if you've not had that experience, today's the day for you, amen? The second one, the second stage of being filled is, is the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. <sighs> We're celebrating Pentecost this morning, amen? <laughs> I, wanted to go, I wanted to go shout to all the Baptists next door. You got to come next. It's Pentecost Sunday. You got to be over here, right? <laughs> We're celebrating Pentecost this morning, right? Pentecost is the day when God poured out his spirit on all flesh, and, and I want you to know that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is a separate and distinct act of the Holy Spirit, separate from salvation. We, that's, the, that's the biblical model, right? We see that first and foremost on the day of Pentecost, right? The, the apostles had already been born again at this point. They had put their faith in the resurrected Christ. They were born again. 
right? In fact, Jesus already breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. But then he tells them, go away in Jerusalem until you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. He tells them in Acts 1.8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the outermost ends of the earth. You'll receive power. When the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Church, why do we need the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Why do we need power? Jesus says to be witnesses. What's the power for? It's to be witnesses. The point of the baptism of the Holy Spirit is not not to speak in tongues. It's to receive power to be witnesses. Amen? And then, of course, the day of Pentecost came, and they were all baptized in the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. We see the same thing when Philip goes to Samaria. They first believe, and they're baptized in water, and then the apostles come later and lay hands on them, and they're baptized in the Holy Spirit, right? We see the same thing in, uh, 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 when Paul meets the Ephesian believers, that, that they had already heard the gospel and been baptized, but he comes, lays hands on them, and they're baptized baptized in the Holy Spirit and begin to speak in other tongues. Church, this is a gift that God wants to give you. The Bible says, in the last days, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Someone say all flesh. Say all flesh. You are part of all flesh, right? In the last days, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And Peter says on the day of Pentecost, that verse is fulfilled in your, in your hearing. This is a gift that God wants you to have church so that you can be a more effective witness and so that you can have a more powerful and effective and fulfilling prayer life. The Bible says, pray without ceasing. I don't know how you do that if you don't pray in tongues. I run out of stuff to say in like five minutes, right? But I can pray in tongues all day. Pray without ceasing. Paul Paul says that when you pray in tongues, you build yourself up. When you pray in tongues, it's like doing spiritual bench press, right? He says says it's even better to prophesy because you build up the church. But how many of you know you can't build up the church until you build up yourself, when you're praying in tongues, you're building yourself up spiritually. Amen? Church, I think probably 75% of my prayer life is tongues. <laughs> like, I'm praying in tongues all day long, right? This is a gift that God wants you to have this morning. And in just a moment, we're going to call people forward. In fact, the band can come and begin to play so that I remember to stop talking. <laughs> Well, we're going to call people forward in just a moment. If you haven't had that experience where you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit and God gave you a new prayer language, God wants to do that in your life this morning as we celebrate Pentecost Sunday. Amen? And if you want to walk in the power of God, Jesus says, wait for the gift of the Holy Spirit. He says, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Today's the day for the Holy Spirit to come on you, to be baptized in the spirit of the living God and, and, and with the evidence of praying in other tongues. Amen? 
And then the third stage of being filled with the Holy Spirit is what the Bible says in Ephesians 5. And, and if you read, the, if you read the, Greek, the Greek in that verse, it says, don't be drunk with wine, but be continuously being filled with the Holy Spirit. It's a continuous infilling. Church, we need every day to have continual times of refreshing in the presence of the Lord. That you go and you pour out, but then you go back to his presence and get filled back up. Every day we need times of refreshing in God's presence. You got to stay full. You can't afford to serve, 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 and not have times to fill back up in the presence of God. And we're going to pray for that this morning as well. If you're here today and you say, man, I've been born again, I've been baptized in the Holy Spirit, but I've been running on empty for a while. You can't walk in power when you're running on empty. So if you're here today and you say, I've been running on empty for a while, today's the day God wants to fill you back up. But then don't go out and get empty again. You know? It's interesting when, when Jesus raises Jairus' daughter from the dead, the first thing that he tells he tells her parents, uh, he says, go and go and feed her. When Jesus revives something in your life, you have to feed it, or else it dies again. Because if they didn't feed their daughter, she just would have died again. <laughs> right? When God revives something in your life, you have to feed it. And so as God refills you this morning, my encouragement to you today, church, is when you leave this place, don't let it die again. Don't get empty again. But every morning, take time. Set aside time every single morning to just be in the presence of God and allow him to fill you back up every single day so that every day you walk through life in a state of overflow. And if you'll do these things, church, you're going to be a candidate for the miraculous power of God to flow through you. And very quickly, the last thing that you need is you have to be willing to pour out in faith. If you want God to use you in the miraculous church, you have to be willing to pour out in faith. I was reading this story a while back and and I caught something that really blessed me when I was reading this story. I noticed that it said that when, when the servants brought the cup to the master of the feast, it says nobody knew where the cup, where, 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 where the water now become wine had come from, except the servants who poured out the water. That means that when the servants poured the water into the cup, it was still water. You know, I always kind of picture this miracle that they filled up these stone jars with water and then Jesus put his finger in it and it became red. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that's how I always pictured it. But I caught that when they poured it into the cup, it was still water. And Jesus tells the servants, go and take it to the master of the feast. <sighs> that's an incredible step of faith. <sighs> these servants risked their entire reputations. They would have been fired and humiliated had they got to the master of the feast and and offered him water from a purification jar. 
they risk their entire reputations uh, and they, they, they bet their reputations on the fact that Jesus was going to show up. They poured out this water in this cup and they began walking towards the master of the feast. And I'm sure they had mixed feelings, right? But they're like, I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to go. And they walked towards the master of the feast and they gave him the cup. And I can't imagine how much they're sweating at this moment, right? But the master of the feast takes the cup and he takes a sip and he says, hold on, hold on, hold on. And the servants at this moment are probably thinking, okay, here it goes. We're all fired, right? He says, hold on, hold on, hold on. He says, how come you saved the best wine until now? <sighs> Church, if you, if you become a vessel for the miraculous power of God to flow through you, you're going to leave a sweet taste in the people's mouths around you, man. Your, your life is going to be the best wine. <laughs> your life is going to be the best wine. God wants to use you, Church. It's not about me. It's not about pastors. God wants to use you as a vessel for his miraculous power to flow through. Stand to your feet with me this morning. Holy Spirit, move in this place. Move in this place, Holy Spirit. Father, I just pray for every single person here. I pray for a fresh touch, a fresh infilling. Would you just pour out in this place this morning, God? As we celebrate when you first poured out on all flesh, would you do it again today? Yes, God, for everybody who came in here empty and thirsty, God, I pray you would meet them tonight in a powerful way that every single person in this room would leave full. Hmm. Move by your spirit this morning, God. Just right now, God, just begin to touch people. Right now, just begin to fill people, Father. If you're here today and you just need a fresh touch from God, I want to invite you to come forward as we close with a song of worship. And we're just going to come around and just lay hands on you and believe God for a fresh infilling. And if you need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues, I want you to specifically come to this side of the room because we're going to pray for you this morning and you're going to receive that today. In Jesus' name. Amen. So as we sing this song, if you're here, if you need a touch from God, just right now, you can begin to make your way to the front. Thank you for listening. We invite you to join us Sunday mornings to worship with us. We are located at 267 College Highway in Southwick, Massachusetts. For more information about Living Hope Church, visit us online at www.livinghopechurchag.org.